Welcome back. This is Becky. This is Jen. And this is Too Close to Home. Yes, welcome. Today's episode is part two (laughs) of Diane Downs, the murderous mommy. Mommy. Not mommy. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Mommy. (laughs) So when we left, last left off, Diane had just met Steve, her ex-husband, in the park to basically spy on her own children. She wasn't allowed visitation, but Steve was, and she met him there to uh, see the kiddos. When she arrived at the park, she immediately seen Christy, ran over, gave her some hugs and kisses. I'm sure Christy was just... Fucking shook. Oh, no, she was thrilled to see her. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh! (laughs) So when Diane got there, she asked to take Christy off. This is when she took her for a few hours. So immediately when the kids, I would like, that's how, you know, it's a dad, not a mom, because my first thought would be like, oh, he's, she's taking the one that's the best t- testimony out of the two children that are surviving because someone will say, mm, well, he's not as old and he might not yeah, remember he was only like three, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to take the one that's going to really fuck me over, bro. You're so dumb, <laughs> but he's a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, as is par of course of, for men, we love you, man, but. You guys don't always think it through. <laughs> as soon as Steve returned the children to the foster parents, immediately they noticed a change in the kids. They noticed that Christy was almost back to how she was when she initially came there. The therapist also noticed a change and that they were, she was again, what was the word? Jennifer Degret? Degret? No. Recess? What was it? said earlier when we talked about it. When she went backwards? Yeah. She regressed. There we go. Yeah. I'm going to have to work my brain extra hard. (laughs) So this was in in September. On October 13th, 1983, Diane had wrote in her diary that she contemplated suicide. Dear diary. Po, little Diane. Dear diary. They don't understand how hard this is on me. (laughs) I had to almost kill my, all three of my children's. Do you know what that felt like? (laughs) Nobody asked. Diane, how are you? (laughs) So Diane, being lonely and sad, called Matt Jensen. He was a co-worker of hers. She told him she was lonely and she wanted to come over for a visit. Initially, he was like, nah, I'm good. But she did what us women do. We break you men down and you give him. She sent enough you up text, (laughs) which wasn't around at the time. but No. They did it old school with, like, the phones and shit. Are you up? What are you doing? <laughs> Twirling their fingers around the court. I'm just bored and lonely. <laughs> he finally gave in. She came over. Bada bing, bada boom. On her October 14th entry, Diane wrote that she went to his house, convinced him to have sex, which is not a hard feat. Come on. No. <laughs> and hoped that she was pregnant. We'll later find out. Find out it worked. The she bun. Did. She was real good about calculating her period and getting pregnant. Most of us calculated to, to not get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> the bun was in the oven. It was. After working with the after the therapist worked so hard to repair the damage with Christy from the September visit, he decided to begin a new process with her. This process was where he would give her a piece of paper 
and he would tell her to write down who shot you, sealed up in an envelope, and you can either go throw it in the fireplace at the end of the visit, or she could give it to him to read. For a long time, she would just write it down. She would throw it into the fire at the end of each visit. Um, she did this every visit. By January, she was starting to improve so much that he believed that she was almost ready to testify. On January 9th, 1984, Christy was finally ready to tell her story. After nine months of grand jury hearings and hearing testimony, including that now of Christy Downs, the grand jury would now decide if Diane Downs would be charged. On February 28th, 1984, Diane Downs was arrested for murder. She was housed alone, all by herself for her protection, and her bond was set to $75,000. Listen, house my alone, house alone for her protection. Listen, as long as she didn't have children in there, they were fine. Everybody was good. <laughs> she didn't hurt anybody but babies. <laughs> she loved herself. She wasn't going to kill herself. Mm -mm. That was a ploy. It was always a ploy for attention. No one came to bail her out. Oh, story, I know. Boo-hoo. And she pled not guilty the next day. Her trial was set for May 8th, 1984, shortly before her due date. So on May 10th, 1984, the trial started. The prosecution presented the motive, lust for a man who wanted no children. Her defense agreed. She was lusting after men's, but not enough to hurt her children. <laughs> you can see our faces. Like, mm. <laughs> also, he presented immediately that a lot of times you would see her with her emotions void, but that was due to the trauma and sexual abuse as a child, which can be a viable, viable reaction, but not with her. She just is a heartless evil. The first witness that they called to the stand was <laughs> Diane's friend, Heather. Heather was the person that she had visited with the night of the shooting. So Heather said everything was exactly as Diane said. She came over, they had a brief visit, and she left. She said that she went to visit Diane after she heard about the shooting. Because, I mean, could you imagine, like, Jen, if I left here, and then, like, JJRI called you and was like, I got shot. Or right. Emma, if she's with me, got shot. And uh, so she rushes to the hospital to see her. And she said the first thing that Diane voiced to her was, I'm afraid that Christy may say it was me. Now, she had already said it was a man. So unless you're looking like a man, how, why, why would she confuse her own mother for a man? Mm. Exactly. And why would that be your first thought to tell your friend that just came? Yeah. Not, Not even like how my kids, I'm worried they're going to die. I, I'm worried no. about this. You just laid up in your own hospital. But let me tell you what, you wouldn't be able with just a gunshot to my arm. You wouldn't be able to keep me in a hospital bed and not be over there where my children are. I'm no. like, I'm signing out AMA. Which, what do I need to sign? Leave me alone. Let me get to my kids. Right. That's it. And nowhere in I my would mind be would distraught because intertwined that the kids would think it was me. One of the babies had already passed. Like I would yeah. be beside myself. Oh, yeah. The only way you'd have me in that bed is because you medicated me because I was a mess. Right. I mean, which I'm always down for. <laughs> I'm not just messing. I'm just messing. Second witness was Joe Inman. Inman was the one who came up on the street behind Diane's when she was uh, just, you know, strolling along at four to five miles per hour, rushing to get to the hospital with her shot children. Uh, he 
again stated that she crept along the highway at four to five miles per hour and that she was only four miles from the hospital. But from the time he's seen her creeping, now remember the time he's seen her creeping, he wasn't even there when she shot them was 22 minutes. So how many minutes was before this that he came up on her from the shooting? Who oh, knows? Oh, shit. Yeah. It could have been. It could have been an hour. Oh. Could have been an hour before he rolled up on her and then an additional 22 minutes. And they don't bring that Cheryl up. Cheryl might have l- survived. Oh, she wasn't going to ever, but. Oh, that's. We'll get to that later. Oh, man. But maybe. <laughs> I like that you have a silver lining in this, Jen. Just to keep her could've. alive. We could have. But it's so disturbing that. So exactly 361 days after being shot, Christy Downs finally had the strength to testify. I'm going to paint a visual here for you. She was just a nine-year-old little girl. She walked into the courtroom carrying her limp arm that was paralyzed with her droop on her face. She looked down at the floor and then looked across at her mother. And they both began to cry. She was only nine again. They started by asking her if she remembered the day she was shot. She simply said yes. They led her through the days of the event leading up to the shooting and visiting Heather. She said they led her all the way up to the actual shooting. She said that she remembered her mom pulling over on the side of the road and the car stopping. She said her mom reached down and pulled the handle to release the trunk. She got out. She walked around to the back, messed around back there, then came back to the car, kneeled down, and shot her sister, Cheryl. She said she then shot Danny, and then her mother turned the gun and shot her. She said a hungry like a wolf was playing the entire time. And such a song that's such a... Duran Duran playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, like... She had to hear over and over through her childhood and adulthood. Oh, yeah. In the elevators, grocery stores, because, you know, 80s hits. Mm-hmm. You know, that had to be so entirely triggering like she probably could not have went through a middle school dance without that oh absolutely and hopefully she at some point in her life was able to turn the meaning around to the empowerment of her strength to testify against her mother and you know what i mean yeah and put her behind bars and because i don't know that at nine i would be strong enough to go up there and say what my mom did oh yeah i would probably scared to death to ever because there's a lot of mix of feelings you know that's that maternal child bond is there albeit it's just one way from the child to the parent but like the confusion of like absolutely they then asked her do you still love your mom to which she said yes that poor baby i know the defense attorney then cross-examined asking her basically the same questions over and over with different words trying to trick her into not knowing how to answer it horrible that person is if there is a hell i hope they burn who could do that to a child the good thing is the prosecutor so from the beginning he kind of taken her in as he had no children of his own and they said that him and christy like immediately bonded and they had a very close relationship and he almost seen her as a daughter so leading up to the trial they said he worked day in and day out with her asking her questions over and over and asking them in different ways to make sure she was as well prepared as possible and it paid off because he could not trip up this little nine-year-old girl on the stand right she had went through it so much with with uh fred hugie who was the prosecutor 
The next person to testify was Christy's therapist. So controversial, but he used to play hungry like a wolf during their visits, which is traumatizing. But then again, you know, there's tactics to help bring up repressed memories. Mm -hmm. And this worked. He said every time he would play it, Christy would remember a little bit more and tell a little bit more about what happened that night. He said pretty soon Christy began to test the waters by asking him questions about what would happen if it was her mother who shot them. And he said at one visit, Christy said, I would want to go back to my mom because she must have been very angry and I know she would never do it again. <laughs> and that is so heartbreaking. I mean, I love how, not I don't love, but I, I admire how this child who has went through this traumatic thing is willing to like think about others before herself. Like what's going to happen to my mom if I say that she did what she actually fucking did. Right. No concern of her own well-being. That's a pure innocent child. Like that's how it just, Oh. And I think like that statement like hits home to a parent because if you're a parent and you've ever like had a long day and you've been stressed out and your kids are being too loud and you like snap at them and then later, if you're a parent like me, I'll be like, look, Ma, I'm sorry that I snapped at you. And I've had my kids say, it's okay, mommy. You were just really tired. You've been working a lot or something. You know, they they understand and almost like make excuses for me. Not that I've ever like hit them or hurt them in any way like that. But you still feel just as bad. Oh, yeah. And so that's literally something that a child that loves you would say. Mm -hmm. And to make excuses for your mother shooting you is so heartbreaking. And shows the love that she still had for her mother. He said on December 19th, Christy once again wrote the name in the envelope, but this time she didn't burn it. And she told him, you have to promise not to open it until I tell you. On January 16th, he asked Christy if she feared that she would be shot again. She replied. Now, keep in mind, she hasn't told him yet. My mom did it. And her reply is, maybe if I lived with her again, but maybe she wouldn't. So, you know, therapist already knows it's the mom. And poor little Chrissy don't realize she's telling him it's the mom. Oh, she's yeah. writing it on the piece of paper, but he's like, all right, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> she then handed him the steel sealed envelope and he kept it until he went to the stand. When he opened the envelope on the stand, his voice cracked as he read the questions. Who shot Cheryl? Mom. Who shot Christy? Mom. I don't know why I didn't say who shot Danny whatever <laughs> wow so very anti-danny the next to testify was diane's ex-husband he went through the history with diane and there's so much crazy history between the two of them that i left out um her, it was a very unhealthy relationship oh very unhealthy and you know she talks her side talks a lot about steve being abusive to her and steve doing this and steve doing that but i'm like you're the one that got pregnant by another man while married to him and then named the kid Steve Jr. When it yeah. wasn't his child. You're the one that hoed around and blatantly admitted that you did. Yeah. You're the one that shot a hole in the trailer saying, I'm going to kill myself, like tricking him. And he's trying to bust in and save you. So he was the one that worked and paid all the bills and did everything. So I'm not seeing where this abuse was. I feel like you made this up as an excuse to try to. It's very narcissistic. Be the victim again. Mm -hmm. Might I add during this whole time of all this story, She's doing interviews with the media like crazy and playing up the poor mom like crazy. So he just tells them all. They asked if he'd ever shown Diane how to shoot the 22. He replied, yes. 
They asked him if he knew where the 22 was. He stated he didn't, but he had been looking for it. Mm. He wanted to make sure, like, I'm pretty sure she took it, but let me make sure I didn't, like, stick it somewhere, which I feel like a gun, you should know exactly where it's at, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they then accused him about lying, about whether or not he knew where the gun was, and saying he wouldn't turn it in anyways to protect her. He replied with, oh, yeah, I would, because I knew she didn't have any feelings for the kids anymore. Yeah. Ugh. He wanted this bitch to go down, too. On May 21st, the courtroom was transformed. They put a mock-up of Diane's car with three life-size dolls representing the children. This is where it would be very traumatizing to be on the jury. Oh, absolutely. And and you know they're trying to, like, pull their heartstrings, so they probably made these kids, like, look like them. And it's like, I, I want to see this. No. A forensic expert then showed all the evidence to include the trajectory of the bullets, the blood splatter, all of that. It did, all of those findings did show that the shooter shot through the driver's window, like she said. It just wasn't a man. It was her. Mm -hmm. This is when they showed that the first child she shot, Cheryl, had to have been awake during it and reached up and pulled the door handle. She was still shot inside, but she pulled it, the door handle and fell out during the short shooting. At this point, Diane Downs went around to the side, pressed the gun against her chest, and shot her point blank in the chest. Which is a very prolonged and, like, I'm not saying, like, it would have been better. Don't shoot your kids. How about that? Let's start <laughs> off there. Uh, but definitely, like, not a quick death. You know, shooting them point blank in the head would have stopped everything. But in the chest, that's going to be a few minutes of pain and confusion already on top of the other wound that the child had. Like, well, I think <sighs> she wanted her to keep her eyes open and look at her while she did it. If you put that gun to the head, you're going to close your eyes automatically. In the chest, you're still going to look at your victim. And remember, Cheryl was the kid she didn't like. Oh, yeah. Cheryl Came was out the kicking and screaming. And that's right. Which, honestly, it's kind of like of a self-reflection in a way because she was probably... I mean, it's a saw probably a little bit of herself and she didn't realize it at the time, you know. Right. Next, they're showing a video of Diane and Detective Tracy when they had reenacted the crime. This is back when he had taken her oh, to yeah. the scene and said, like, okay, let's go through everything that happened. She laughs throughout the video as she tells the detective how to act. She acts like she's on, like, a movie set and she's the star. She, okay, I'm throwing the keys now. All while laughing, she jumps in the car. She then describes where the children are, how they're sleeping, again, all while laughing. And remember, she makes sure she presents early to the jury that she laughs because she was told she couldn't cry as a kid. So just replace the laughter with tears, y'all. That's what she means. <laughs> but that's a very hard thing for somebody to do. And I'm not saying that she didn't. Maybe she did. You ever seen somebody laugh cry? Yes, so I have. That's what I would think if someone who was actually, you know, like, I'm sure she was abused. Don't get me wrong. But like, I if she was remorseful and this was an actual reaction of trauma where she's laughing and crying at the, like, you know, like trying to replace the one with the other, you would see that on them, like that uncomfortableness and the panic probably in their face. But hers is just a laissez-faire, like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys. I had to step away to drink. Get in trouble by our creative director when I make too many ancillary noises. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut that out either, Jimmy. Oh, I have to edit. Mm. They then bring in a radio and play Hungry Like a Wolf. 
when the jury looks over at Diane, she is smiling, tapping her foot, snapping her fingers, and silently singing along. Like we had the roller disco on a Friday night. <laughs> yes. You know they brought out a big 80s boombox too, right? Oh, the kind that they would have put on their shoulders. <laughs> Run DMZ style, baby. Yes. And it was on a tape, I bet you. And even if, let's just... Let's just role play for a minute here that she's innocent. Even if you were innocent, that song should trigger some trauma for you because your children were shot during that song. Like Christy. Or innocent. Yeah. Right. You shouldn't be over there toe tapping, bebopping. Oh my God, this is silent karaoke. It's my jam. Like, what is wrong with you, woman? Like, you can't even put on the show like you're innocent. That's how present a good front at least delusional she was and so sure of herself and so emotionless. She thought that she was smarter than everybody else. Newsflash, baby, you You're wasn't. <laughs> the next day, Lou Lewiston is called to the stand. He retells the same story from his interview and said, I told her I just didn't want to be a daddy to her kids. And he said multiple times during interviews, it was nothing against her kids. They were good kids. He just didn't want to be a dad. That's why he had a vasectomy at 21 years old. It was not the thing he, which plenty of people do. And good for you if you don't want kids, don't have kids. Because you're not going to be a good parent if you don't want them. Right. But he didn't mean, like, get rid of them when we can be together. You know how many women, like, do that, though? Like, will talk themselves into, like, oh, he says he doesn't want kids, but that's like a wink, wink. No, it's not. Men are not like that. They tell you exactly what they're thinking when they finally do tell you, because sometimes they'll be like, what are you thinking? And there's nothing happening in his head. That's what's happening. Not a goddamn thing. What are you thinking? No, women just are different in that respect and capacity. So to sit there and go, oh, he had a vasectomy and he definitely wants kids. That's you just making up your own shit. That's why men can go to sleep at night and us women stay awake. Because JJ told me that he's never laid down at night and wondered why you can't transplant eyeballs into other people. <laughs> Which we know now. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have. <laughs> he has not. He goes to sleep because all he hears. <laughs> I don't. I hear, Becky, don't you wonder why they can't transplant eyeballs? <laughs> Or well, what do I have to do tomorrow? Or shit, this didn't happen today. Or goddamn, I forgot about that. Or I digress about something I said 10 years ago oh that God. I wish I wouldn't have said that the person probably doesn't even remember I said. No. And you're cringing so hard thinking yes. about it. But I'm like, why can't I stop doing this? If God granted me three wishes, one of them would be to stop remembering things I said that could have possibly been upsetting in one way or another. <laughs> and then traumatizing myself 10 years later over it. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> he said four or five days before she left for Oregon, she offered Lou the use of her pistol and showed it to him. He turned it down. He said, I saw the 22 Ruger in the trunk of her car. And that's so weird to me that she did that. It's almost like she was pre bragging about what she was going to do. Yeah. Like, I listen, I don't think I've ever walked up to you and been like, hey, girl, check out this new daughter there. That's not something women usually do, especially one who didn't even take care of her own guns, like based off the the testimony that she left one to rust. If if she was a authentic gun person who loved her. Yeah. Shooter. It would make sense in that capacity, but she was obviously not. Not. So 
I agree with you. That was probably like, mm, this is a little bit of foreboding. Right? <laughs> Foreshadowing. When he said that when she called him about the shooting, that she didn't sound upset at all. They then asked him about the matching tattoo that he had with Diane. He tells them how when he got it, Diane initially wanted her name tattooed on him, but he refused. They asked him to show the tattoo. He pulled it up and showed it. They noticed there was a name there. They asked him what the name was. Sweet Nora, the name of his wife. <laughs> so you can imagine that went over like a lead balloon with Diane. Oh, you know what? Bro, if she is more upset about a tattoo than Hungry Ellie the Wolf, which was playing when her children died, you automatically guilty. <laughs> Preach. What? He got that bitch's name? That was our matching tattoo. <laughs> and I just want to add that I was kind of like, oh, like, what kind of insult is it that you got, like, you and Jimmy get matching tattoos and then you split up and he gets another woman's name? I'd be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> that was, he did it on purpose. He did say multiple times throughout and was genuinely upset and felt like he was responsible he said he wished he would have never told her that's why he didn't want to be together because he felt like that survivor's guilt yeah he could condemn these children to death wanted that and he i don't think you ever get over feeling like that the next day they played the audio tapes of all of her interviews tapes of her and Lou's conversations that he had recorded you know how pissed she had been like he was recording me (laughs) she said at one point that she caught on that she thought he was recording her because the questions he would ask during Mm -hmm. the phone conversations. So she started recording them too. (laughs) Okay, you showed him. Yeah. (laughs) Get him, girl. (laughs) Now we have two identical recordings. (laughs) The jury was given printed transcripts because there was so much stuff to follow along within all the tapes. And they said it was just stacks and stacks of it. Days later, they're almost done, and they have to listen to the tape of Diane once again say she knows who did it but won't tell. And you can know the jury did exactly that. What you, you just did, Jennifer, for those Roll of you who didn't see. my fucking eyeballs so hard. She huffed and rolled her eyes like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's how they felt. Like, girl, please stop. Listen, if I you've never been. I be out at five. Right? I had dinner plans, and now I got to listen to this bullshit. <laughs> this is irritating. Is it like... Listen, if you've never been in a jail, you already know you don't want to be there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have been in a jail, not, you know, arrested, but I've been in one. And I could tell you very quickly if someone said, was it you or someone else? I'm going to automatically dime that person out. I'm going to snitch it because I do not belong in jail. Look at me. I would it's, be someone's bitch really quick. I'd have to be really witty me. and cute and funny so nobody would shank me. Okay. I, I, I feel like the witty and cute wouldn't know that would go against you and you would become someone's bitch even quicker. Oh, absolutely. You got to go in there and act like you are straight up off the streets and nobody wants to fuck with you. Oh, God, I'm damned. I'm <laughs> you just <are>. doomed. <laughs> You're gonna be over there cracking jokes like the cute little one. And then all of a sudden someone's going to have you in a headlock and they're going to be taking that ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. It's like some Shawshank Tell shit. Tell me one of your stories, girl. Tell me one of your stories. <laughs> okay, so one day I was... <laughs> dance for Majestic Dance. <laughs> <laughs> on the last day of may the prosecution rests and the defense calls diane 
She walks up looking very young, very sweet, and very pregnant. Mm-hmm. She smiles throughout the entire questioning, occasionally laughing. And again, remember, this is because she wasn't allowed to cry as a child. She admits that she doesn't remember everything from the night of the shooting, but her memory that she does have is quite different from those in the ER. She, again, victims, tells a story about her childhood, her abuse, her incest. She plays up how the state's trying to take her babies from her and they're trying to blame her for something she didn't do. And she told them that she loved Lou, but Lou was nothing but a headache. Mm. And he was too much to deal with. <laughs> but she must have forgot that they had her diary and evidence. Which she pointed out, like, get my diary. It's going to exonerate me, baby. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> no, we just put in a lock. And the jury read all of her own handwritten words about Lou she had a shit ton of letters that she'd sent him that he returned to send her. And during her time on the stand, she learns that they are taking that baby from her when she gives birth. What did she expect? Shocking. She tells him on the stand that the 22 Ruger was in Steve's possession. Do you think that they would put babies in jumpsuits if they kept him in jail? <laughs> Sorry. That was, I, just, I just imagine like this cute little baby jumpsuit and be like, you're in it too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working at jail, so I'm trying to imagine the daycare portion with little babies and jumpers. Like whatever the like a, instead of a little rattle, it was like a little baby shank, you know? Stop, <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> I'm gonna have to come out with a whole line of clothes now and accessories for children. That's our first uh birch. It's gonna be baby onesies <laughs> in stripes and orange because we like, you know, options. <laughs> Actually, if you're in jail, you have a lack of options, so orange will be the only available color. <laughs> it will come with your choice of blood or crips, gang colors. <laughs> and a shank or a shiv, because they're different. Everybody knows. Come on, guys. Get with it. She tells them the 22 uh, Ruger was in Steve's possession. I'd be pissed if I was him. Be like, mm-mm, bitch, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I forgot to add that, because um, there was a lot of stuff I had to cut out, even just making it a two-parter. After she got back from that trip where Steve let her see the kids, uh -huh. she called and reported him and got his rights taken away to have any visitation. That janky bitch. Yeah. Well, I help you out. I almost called the cops on you. Yeah. She called him and was like, hey, FYI, he let me go see the kids. And she did not want him to get custody if she got convicted and went to jail. Because she felt like he would win. And I'm like, win What? What? When two traumatically wounded children, thanks. The she lottery! <laughs> never, ever put those kids before anybody else. She would also randomly just recall information that she remembered all of a sudden about the attacker. Like, while she was up there, all of a sudden she remembered that he was left-handed. Like, but habitual, FYI, he was left-handed. Habitual liars will do that, though. Like, where they were like, Oh, this story is not selling. Oh, I just remembered. What I don't get is if you're going to lie, okay? If you're going to make it this story that some crazy person stopped you and they shot your kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, keep it simple. Keep it simple. It was a dude. He was white. He had a gun. He had a beard. Keep and just say the same thing over and over and over and over. Why you got to throw in shit that you're not going to remember later because it's a lie? Exactly. 
What, what was he wearing, ma'am? I don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall. Should be your favorite thing on the stand. I don't recall. I need my attorney. I don't recall. I was very concerned about my children. I don't recall. I plead the fifth. I don't recall. <laughs> but I neither. You want to be like nor deny. Oh yeah, he had a yellow car, <laughs> and he had this, and he was left-handed, and like, first of all, most people aren't going to remember the left-handed thing or any of that when your kids are getting popped. Because it was a very short time frame. Like she spoke, like she got out of the car. And he was like, give me your keys. And she's like, you're serious. And then he went over and shot it. So tell me, how many things can you actually notice? Right. And I could go on for days about her, but <laughs> they finally get to the to her retelling of the night. She tells of the visit, driving down the road. And now it's time to recount for the missing 22 minutes from the time that Inman came up behind her to the time she gets to the hospital. She said... Well, I went back the way that I came and that she went looking for a road where there was a waterfall. She said two of the children had fallen asleep, so she pulled over to decide what to do and was talking to Cheryl, who was still awake. She said she then looked through her wallet and balanced her checkbook, as all do at night on the side of a highway. Whilst I was no, looking for not a highway or, or a, on a side back road on a back road. In the middle of nowhere, when I'm looking for a waterfall at night, because mm -hmm. that's a when woman alone, that's when you see premium waterfalls, my friend. Maybe they want to listen to the sounds of the bubbling brook. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where she found her her zen while she balanced her checkbook. Those kids would have never died if she had found that waterfall. <laughs> Y'all had months to come up with some bullshit to feed about this 22 minutes. And the best your defense attorney could come up with was you were balancing your checkbook. Listen, when we actually still use checkbooks, I never balance that shit. I mean, you Not even the premium of times, okay? You would have been better to be like, I pulled over, I had to pee, I ran into the woods, I came back, and then the guy was standing there. Yeah. Like, that's more believable. He held me there bullshitting with me for a while. This have you committed some murders? Hmm? Girl? <laughs> <laughs> You're good at this. <laughs> Right. I'm just saying, I work around inmates. I hear bullshit stories all the time. I pick the good bits from them. I oh, my God. I hope that somebody confesses some shit, like wild shit to you. Not that you want to. I know you don't. But, like, that could be your ticket to IDTV until we get famous, Girl, babe. Someone did try to one time, and I told them to <laughs> nope. stop talking. They came over to do their intake with me, and they were like, hey, you got some pencil and paper? And I'm like, no, you get that from security. And she's like, well, I really just need to put down everything about my sister's murder. And I was like, stop talking. And she was like, well, look, so when my sister got murdered, I'm like, I said, stop talking. She kept talking. I jumped up, ran out of the room, and ran over to the said, come get her out of my chair. And they're like, well, I'm like, she's either confessing to a murder or telling me who murdered somebody. And I don't have time for court. I don't have time for court. That's a lot of paperwork. Do you not realize? I'm not even sure I get paid when I'm at I'm going to get subpoenaed. They'd be like, $25 for the day. Bitch, I make more. No. Exactly. I was like, I don't have time for this. My <laughs> schedule is brimple. And it's not have time for court. So come get this bitch out of my chair. And I made her leave. I said, someone else can do her stuff later when she's done. I said, y'all call a detective or whatever you need to do. Let her do her confessions. Then I'll check her blood pressure. Exactly. <laughs> but I get time for that. So she balanced her checkbook because she had to pay for the school lunches. Um, she said she never mentioned this in the previous stories and interviews because, quote, they never asked her if she balanced her checkbook. So why would she tell them she did? I know typically the cops ask at any point where you balance in your checkbook. 
that's like the first thing they learn in detective school. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Ask them if they bounce a checkbook <laughs> at any time. <laughs> Fucking gumshoe detective. Brand new. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start asking that on all my murder cases now. <laughs> Let me know at any point. Did you stop? <laughs> Balance that checkbook. Put that Kmart receipt in there. Mm? <laughs> okay, they said no. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. She was then cross-examined. And he starts his back and forth with her. He starts with her childhood. And he's trying to be really sincere. And he, he speaks about how rough it must have been for her to grow up. And he tries to appeal and soften her with his sympathy. And it's working. She tells the same story about Lou and their relationship. She laughs about how she was kicked out of Bible school for being promiscuous. I mean, that's what <laughs> I we all are at some point. Exactly. When I was in Bible school and I was a hoe, I'll tell all Good my times. friends. <laughs> the prosecutor brings up Diane's essay over child abuse. So she had written a paper and was published. I can't recall exactly where about breaking the cycle of child abuse. Mm. he offers if she would like to read it to the jury and of course her wanting to be the center of attention she does and she tells him i stopped the cycle he said oh so you stopped it by eliminating an entire generation Uh oh my drop she obviously becomes irritated at a point and tells him you irritate me and you are not listening so then he starts to read from her diary and she's like, all my boyfriends were married. Uh, keep in mind, every woman on the jury was married. You know, they had to have been like that trifling bitch. Whether she killed these kids or not, or go- she's, she's going to jail. Not a good look, Diane. Not a good look. <laughs> know your audience. Know your audience. <laughs> read the room, Diane. Read the room. <laughs> she was not good at that. He then pepper fires questions about the night. He starts with, why would you stop on the middle of a, the night on a deserted road for an unknown man? Um, the glistening of the gun looked like a wedding ring. And she was like, count me in, baby. <laughs> There's nothing more romantic than a dark, deserted road, an unknown married man, and the sound of a babbling brook. <laughs> in the background, babble, 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 babble. <laughs> and three kids to watch. <laughs> Cheryl was definitely still awake, she said. So Yeah, they were talking. I didn't know she was a voyeur. She was like, Cheryl. Hold my checkbook. I'll balance this when I get back, babe. I'm sorry, guys, but you got to put humor in it. Oh, yeah. She then rolls her eyes and says, this is all so ridiculous. And she had the audacity to say, my goodness, that was a year ago. (laughs) To which he responds, oh, so not a significant time in your life. No. (laughs) He got her. He got him. <laughs> got him. They said her eyes were blazing. He then asked her, so why didn't you push back more, fight more? And all this just was making her more angry. And then he says, why would a man take a car with three kids he just shot and try to make Let me like- take all my evidence with me. Exactly. On the road in case I get pulled over by the cops so I could definitely get arrested. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm. Hiding on a deserted road to abduct you. So I'm trying to be real discreet, but then I'm going to take. I'm just going to shoot you in the arm, though, and let you yeah. be free to, to, you know, pin me down later. Because right, right. we always love to leave witnesses. Of course. <laughs> Especially the grown ones. You would leave the kids, if anything, because people don't believe them half the time. Exactly. So Diane replies, 
who can make sense of an insane man? He says, an insane person. She said, no, a man. Her defense attorney then starts the redirect. He talks about unconscious transference. And this is where a person mixes up memories with trauma to filling gaps they've blocked out, which doesn't have like, uh, it's not something that they really believe in, but it does make some sense, you know, when people create things to deal with trauma and like, I feel like that, that that's all M night Shyamalan does for most of his movies. Look at, uh, uh, I see dead people. What's that one? Six cents. Six cents. But like the whole time it was a traumatic, he got killed. He died. Right. Sorry. Sorry if I spoiled. If you have not watched it by now, though, I'm, I don't know what to do with you. Because it came out on VHS. We're not even going to state the year. That's been a while. I worked at a video store when it came out. Those don't even exist anymore. So if you haven't seen it, you just serve a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, he used this unconscious transference to explain why Diane's story would change because she was filling in details with these nightmares and because of the trauma uh, and tried to weaken Christy's story. But I'm like, but Christy was, like, concrete and had the same story every time. But okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, okay, sure. She was on the stand for four days because, of course, she could sit up there and talk about her self All day long. So when she's done on the stand, they now wait for final arguments which they deliver and then for the jury to make a decision on june 11th they deliver their final argument the prosecutor tells of all of diane's failures how she couldn't keep a man how she couldn't keep a boyfriend how he just badgered her badgered her and they said she just sat over there laughing her defense then delivers his and he tries to rely on a timeline he focuses on Joe Emmon following her slowly, saying that she was striving slowly to deliver aid to her children and to roll the windows down because nothing heals a bullet wound like fresh. <laughs> it's like some nine, 1860s tuberculosis exactly. logic. Like, like, you know what? Get wind to the wound. And also, you drive it and this is the 80s Good. and these are the crank ones these are not buttons okay that's why she was going slow oh. she didn't want to go off the road while she was cranking down because the these windows. kids might die <laughs> yeah mm. i feel like at this point the freshers probably not as important as the hospital four miles away you could have been in there been there in like four minutes but okay and you know she also said she didn't want to drive off the road and I know when I go over five miles an hour, all of a sudden I'm very concerned I might go off the road. <laughs> that that 15 miles might per hour. Like goddamn NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> he also says some other, other odds and ends that all add up to the 22 minutes. The last thing the prosecutor wanted to push home was the beach towel that Diane used to wrap her arm in. And he had been focused on this for a while, and he kept trying to fold it up, fold it up, fold it up, make it into the shape it was when she used it. When he finally broke the code, it folded into a nice, neat triangle. And the darkest blood matching with the wound on her arm. He talks about how convenient in the eye of trouble and your kids dying all around you, you had a perfectly folded beach towel to cover up your little boo-boo on your forearm. So you can imagine that didn't go over well. Could you imagine, just, like, if, if your kids had really been shot, I would be tearing up, you know, pulling it, applying pressure. The last thing I'd be worried about is me. Because mm -hmm. obviously my wound's non-fatal. Why am I covering up? 
they also went back to the brass unicorn that we had talked about mm-hmm. with the date inscribed on it. In her diary, she had wrote about taking the kids to the beach, and this was on the day that she got the brass unicorn. And she wrote in depth in there about what a great day it was and almost alluding to the fact that that was the initial day she had planned to kill the kids. And oh. so they believed she had got that brass unicorn with that date and that she'd planned to murder them that day, but things fell That's apart. fucking sick. Very sick. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So she'd been planning this for a while. Let me get a little uh, memorial to my kids that I'm going to kill on the day that I decided to do it. You know what? This is special. It, uh, I'm going to look back at that unicorn. Engraved with their names, and I love you. I wonder where that unicorn is now. Oh, I don't know. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have. Oh, my God. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> After they um, delivered their final arguments, 36 hours later, the verdict is returned. Cameramen and over 100 people wait outside the courtroom. The foreman stands and says they've reached a verdict. Guilty of attempted murder times two. Guilty of first-degree assault times two. And guilty of murder. Ten days later, Diane delivered her baby. (laughs) Diane was allowed to hold the baby for a few hours, and then she was taken back to her cell. They were worried that she wasn't going to be like, you know what I mean? Like, she already in jail, so you're like, oh, well, this one didn't work out either. You know, like... Why? Why didn't they not just take that baby and straight to the adoptions? As a prison nurse, jailhouse <laughs> nurse, and then working in the ER as a nurse. Mm-hmm. The ER nurses always think that these inmates that come in there are these poor little people that everybody's so mean to. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with nurses when I was in the ED that I was like, y'all, stop. Half of them play the game to get here anyway, and you're over here giving him four ice creams and six juice cups. I'm not saying don't give him no food and water, but I'm saying... Stop giving him all these privileges and reward for being here. They're not in jail for smushing and butterflies, okay? They're they in there for serious shit. Because they look at them as a regular person and don't think they would do anything bad. And I used to tell them, if they come in and they're cuffed to the bed, it's because they have committed a violent crime. So mm-hmm. you need to be aware of that when you go in there. But, oh, Polo, Polo dying down. She wouldn't do nothing to them. Nothing. And that's how they see it. So that's <sighs> why they was like, giving her the baby. They probably want her to take it back to the jail and put it in a little orange onesie and give it <laughs> It would have been so fucking cow. And I'm like, but that's great that there are some people that don't differentiate and see the difference. And they see all human lives as valuable and important. And, and to be clear, we both have had this discussion before where we look at people in jail, not as bad people, people who've made mistakes, mistakes we could have very clearly made ourselves. But some, some <laughs> but there are people who are in jail and if they have made it to a hospital while they're in jail, they're not leaving jail because jails don't want to pay for hospital bills. Exactly. So those people who are more likely to be like a traffic offense or something like that, they're not going to be going to the hospital Mm-mm. because of the jail. They'll be like, nah, you can go find your own fucking doctor. I'm going to bond you out. OR it, you know? Yeah. Or they'll release them on a warrant and they'll pick them up later. Exactly. But if they're in a hospital and they in are cuffs. in cuffs, I'm going to give you at least a 90% chance that bitch has done something real violent. Real violent or... uh, Real sadistic, disgusting. Just real serious. You could be in there for like... You know, one one of our inmates is there for like defrauding people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars during Harvey. And he's had to have a lot of medical stuff done, but stays there. He didn't do anything violent. He didn't. He just stole a bunch of shit. From like the most 
needed people like uh-huh. exactly like a reverse Robin Hood. Real cool cat. <laughs> so anyway, she delivered the baby. They let her chill with it. The baby was put up for adoption, and you can see some episodes about her and where she talks about how she found out she was Diane Down's daughter, how it affected her life for quite a while as a teenager. Turned her to do drugs, alcohol, partying until she realized it doesn't mean I'm her because I came from her, which has to be an extremely hard thing to deal with. I mean, there's not a book for that. <laughs> no. I'm like, dear God, I came from my mother. No, <laughs> and I love her, and she's a good person. <laughs> Sometimes it's challenging. <laughs> Just kidding, moms. I love you. <laughs> she was sentenced to life plus 50 years in prison. The judge said, the court hopes the defendant will never again be freed. I have come as close to that as possible. When Diane got to prison, she would let everybody know she was going to be out in six months to two years. Okay, but she Diane. knew her appeal was going to set her free. Okay, sure. Spoiler alert. It did it. <laughs> <laughs> when the parole board met in 1985 to consider her minimum sentence, they said she would not be considered for parole until 2009. In September of 1985, all parental ties with Diane and her children were severed. The surviving children were adopted by their foster parents. And only three years into her sentence, on July 11, 1987, the 8 a.m. count at the women's prison was 126 prisoners. At 9, 10 a.m., the count was 125. Mm-hmm. Diane Downs managed to escape. I couldn't find out much about how she escaped, just that she did. Um, two weeks later, she was discovered just blocks from the prison in the home of... Can you guess it? Can you guess it, Jennifer? Was it a married man? It was a married man! Ah, it's her favorite! That's her type, babe! <laughs> it was another inmate's husband. Oh, you know she probably got her ass racked when oh. she came back. Not only that, but you know that followed her when you went to another prison. Oh, you that bitch that like to act like you're my friend and find out about my stuff that didn't get out and fuck my husband. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah. And you know she was trying to get pregnant the whole damn time. She was. She later said that she was disappointed to find out when she got back she wasn't pregnant. And, you know, they found her because as smart and as just brilliant as she is, she had drawn a map to her exact location with an X marks the spot. It's a treasure. And she took the map with her. But she left the notepad, so they just did a little pencil tracing. Ah, you know, found those, that bitch. Do you remember those things you used to color on the oh, yeah. peel the paper back and Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's gonna know where I went. And they went right there and caught her. She was in the hood. Uh a bunch of uh it was a drug laden neighborhood. Guy she was shacked up with was a heroin addict. And I was thinking to myself, Diane, all it would have took was them to say a little bit of reward money, and that whole neighborhood would have turned on you to get some free drug money in their pocket. I done seen that bitch last Tuesday. <laughs> they probably, even if they hadn't, it'd been like. <laughs> you picked the wrong spot to go. Although they might have been too high to realize you were there, but whatever. <laughs> they packed her up. They took her back. She got an additional five years in prison. She remains in prison today, but in California at a higher security facility. In 2008 and 2010, she... She was denied parole, and now she must wait a decade before applying again, which would be around this time. But I believe what I read was she did apply again, but, you know, COVID and all that pushed stuff back in California, like, for real, for real about that. So, like, ain't nobody getting out. Nowhere, going nowhere, spreading no COVID anywhere. No. Well, Jimmy, I already decided this. 
that I'm going to write a letter to her for you because you're not a person who likes to do that stuff. Because you're a marrying man. I'm going to have to get a P.O. box because I don't need her knowing where I'm living so she don't come over here and try to shack up with you. But I'm going to write her a letter from you just to see if she'll write back. Be like, I'm a married man. I hear that's your oh, shit. You see Jimmy's face. He's looking at her like she's officially lost her fucking mind. It's been lost. <laughs> Spoiler alert. He's not going to let her do it. <laughs> I wish that motherfucker would try to tell me no. <laughs> Well, guys, that's that a story. Is the painful, very sad story of Diane Downs. Well done. I. It was hard. Oh, it was tough, listening. but it needed to be said. Oh. And I want you guys to know that this is me personally. I feel like Jennifer's the same. We really never discussed it. We don't do quite as much victim advocating as I think some other podcasts do, and they tell a lot more of the victim story where. I know my ones at least tend to focus on the killer and how much of a piece of shit they are. That's because I don't ever want a story to be um, anything other than me telling how much of a piece of garbage they are. Mm -hmm. It's not defining that victim's life. You do this shit and all of us are just going to talk shit about you and make fun of you. Oh, yeah. We're probably going to say you have a small dingling. Just know if you're going to go out there and kill someone, I'm going to roast the shit out of you. Full blast. Becky's like tip top on that roasting shit. You don't want to be roasted by her you son, don't. so don't be killing nobody, okay? So don't come at me. And I will do it calmly and hurt your feelings. Because I'm a Scorpio, <sighs> and that's what we do. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sagittarius rising. I don't know. <laughs> I just know that everybody says, Oh, you a Scorpio? You must be a bitch. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> and my name is Becky. They don't write songs about me for nothing. <laughs> Becky with the good hair. <laughs> she was a homeworker system. She's the bitch. <laughs> they should call it Diane's with the good hair. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't no. put anything in relation with me and her, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent job. I I definitely, I hate to say I like I love the story, but I do love this, to hear yeah. about it and everything. And so... That was the two-parter on Diane Downs. We have some more multi-part series you guys have asked, and we are delivering. We have plenty in the works right now as we speak. So we have some cool shit headed your way, you guys, some listener stories, uh, some uh, too-close-to-home stories in their own right. So keep an ear out. Watch us on uh, social media. Send us some stories. Let us know. Uh, Too-close-to-home at yahoo.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, we love you guys all, and remember, stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And do not bring it too close to home like Diane Downs it. Don't, don't downs do it. it. Don't downs it, man. Don't downs it. <laughs> Keep it up. Don't do those late-term abortions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. I can't, I can't with her, y'all. <laughs> bye. If you like listening to us, you can find us on Facebook at Too Close Pod or under the Instagram handle Too Close Podcast. Also, if you have any stories of your own Too Close to Home experiences, shoot us an email at tooclosetohome at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.